We are back with On Second Thought from GPB. I'm Virginia Prescott. Cities are dynamic things. Atlanta may be aggressively so. It catapulted from regional city to international metropolis in a generation. Variously called the capital of the New South, the South's Black Mecca, a city in a forest, and hip-hop's center of gravity, often celebrated in song, like this one, Ludacris's Southern Hospitality. Atlanta is the antithesis of homogenous and resists being summarized or captured in a single part or moment or happening, which is kind of the perfect setting for pop-up zine Atlanta. Stories on stage in a camera-free zone, no recordings, no photos, no tweets, no posts. It's a local offshoot of the performed journalism made popular by Pop-Up Magazine. So instead of sitting down alone and leafing through a magazine, the variety of articles are performed for a shared audience in that moment and then... Poof, they're gone. Cultural producer, writer, and documentarian Floyd Hall was inspired to make that fleeting magic happen locally. He's the driving force behind pop-up zine Atlanta at Windmill Arts Center in East Point on Tuesday, October 8th. Floyd, so nice to have you back. So glad to be back with you, Virginia. Thank you for having me. Well, Floyd's also a contributor to this magazine on stage, along with Hannah Palmer, who's a writer and author of a memoir called Flight Path. Hello, Hannah. Hi, thanks. Thanks for being here. And also photographer Antonio Johnson will be a contributor, as am I, by the way, interviewing a very special guest. Hello, Antonio. Hello. So Pop-Up Zine is meant to be experienced in the moment. So we're not going to preview any of the stories, but instead we're going to expand on some of the ideas that you saw taking shape, Floyd, as you were hearing from the contributors. What, what were they? Well, I think, as you mentioned in your opening, Atlanta means a lot to different people. And I think that as we think about the city as it moves forward in a variety of ways, I think about how we tell those stories. And I think that Atlanta, as a city that has a proud legacy, there's always a balance of how do you acknowledge that legacy, bring that forward, but also making space for people who are wanting to invest in the city as it is now and then as it is going forward. And so with Pop-Up Zine, uh, I wanted to be able to sort of save space for people to tell their Atlanta stories. Their Atlanta, I think, is a key there. Mm -hmm. uh, and there's a joke here, of course, that nobody in Atlanta is from Atlanta. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure you've all have heard that. But Floyd, you and Hannah are from Atlanta. Antonio and I are not. Antonio, you moved to Atlanta, I think, within the past year, right? December of 2018. So yeah. you're a newbie. I'm brand new. So why Atlanta? What was your image of the place that you wanted to, that you wanted to be a part of? So... I had been to Atlanta a few times when I was growing up. I came on many, many college tours, and I wasn't really impressed with the city. But once I started working on my project that explores black barbershops, I kind of just fell in love with the city. And I was here for two weeks and was like, you know what? I think this is going to be home. I had got tired of the, you know, rat race that was happening in New York and wanted to slow things down a little bit, but also avoid having a winter. And uh, it just felt right. Well, I do not miss shoveling one single bit, I will not tell you that all. much. But your project is called You Next, and we'll post a link to see it because they're beautiful photos of black barbershops across the country. Hannah, you grew up in Forest Park, so your book Flight Path is very much about connection to place and the homes, in your case, three houses in uh, Mountain View, lost when the land was annexed for airport expansion, which is a huge moment in Atlanta history. What did that do to your sense of community and place where you lived. Well, when communities are displaced and you lose the connection to a geography or a physical place, you start to rely on this social network. And I, I use that word 
pre-Facebook. I'm talking about the social infrastructure of communities that are formed through churches and through activities and through common interests. So that can be fluid. That's not always attached to a place forever. But I love that Floyd included uh, the South Side sort of story, the airport area. I mean, I, I never have lived in the city of Atlanta, but I've always lived on the fringe of Atlanta. And uh, those stories, the airport area, the South Side, um, are just as much a part of what defines the city as being inside the city limits. Right. You and actually all of us have lived in Brooklyn, <laughs> I think. Yeah. And then all of us, you're back in Atlanta on the South Side with your family. So Floyd was talking about your Atlanta, and I'm wondering if you think that your Atlanta, if you have a concept of that, and is it defined by space, or is it defined by a time, like an era, maybe a before and after? I think a lot of people colloquially tend to point to the Olympics as their before and after moment. I think for a lot of people, that was such a dramatic shift in what we knew the city to be through construction, through expansion, through branding. And so I think that for me personally, the culture of the city through the music and through the art has always been the rallying point for me for how I think about the city. And so as that evolves, I think all of us kind of evolve with it, but there's still some disconnection between that and what happens on the ground, per se, in the city. Right. What, what happened? You know, how do you build a future when you're in a place thinking about like, oh, wasn't it great when this happened? And that's something I think that really comes across in Hannah's writing, the kind of connection to place, but the connection is based on people. And for you, Antonio, you know, your photographs, it's like the human beings that animate a place make a place. But I'm so glad you mentioned the Olympics because I remember reading the architectural critic Paul Goldberg. He was writing about Atlanta just before the Olympics. And I, I pulled the little quote here. Only one aspect of Atlanta is truly Southern, and that's its ability to sugarcoat its ambition. Atlanta has manners, unlike, say, Houston. This city is not above trying to charm its way into the circle of major cities, but builds a mass transit system and one of the world's biggest airports just in case. So there's something a little snide and a little patronizing about that, but also a nod to being distinct from other places. So let's go to that, that push to host the Olympics. That was when, that was like saying Atlanta has arrived and crossed into this fraternity of big herbs. What did it mean to people living here? Hannah? I've been told that before the Olympics, when you were traveling, you had to say you were from Atlanta, Georgia. And after the Olympics, you just said Atlanta. <laughs> and there was a better understanding of the city on the world stage. But back to your original question about is it a time or is it a place? I feel like by staying in one place for a very long time, I've watched the city change into multiple identities around me over time. And that's been a fun exploration with my family to see how we become part of the new Atlanta as it arrives every decade or so. So how about for you, Antonio? You came to a place that you'd gotten glimpses of when you were growing up, and then you came to settle. I mean, that's a big commitment. What does that place mean to you now? Atlanta feels like home for a lot of different reasons. One, because of the what Floyd was mentioning, the influence of hip-hop here, I've always felt really connected to it. But I've also, as I've gotten older, really wanted to find a place to put some roots down. And I don't know if it is the chicken at Busy Bees or uh, the hospitality here. It just feels like feels like home. 
We're talking about connection to place, in this case, the city of Atlanta, with my guests, Floyd Hall, Hannah Palmer, and Antonio Johnson. They and I will all be contributors to Pop-Up Zine Atlanta, which is coming up on October 8th. And there's going to be a real exploration there in many different ways, many different facets of what is the connection to place? What is Atlanta? There is this kind of trap of nostalgia we feel for a place that was. I mean, let's acknowledge for some people that's romanticizing antebellum Georgia. For, for you, Antonio, it might be the energy of Atlanta's growing hip-hop scene in the 80s and 90s that drew you here. But the thing about nostalgia is it's an overview. It's not detailed. And, and that sense is shifting now that we can pick up our phones and scroll through pictures of times and places we, we never could have known. How does that change our sense of place in the present and, and in the future? Well, I think there's a difference between nostalgia, memories, and history. And I think that um, how all of those things flow together depends on who's there to tell it. And I think that to your point about the Olympics and maybe um, that being a moment of coming together, but also maybe even division, um, I think a lot of people from that moment and forward have always felt like some people got ahead and some people got left behind. And I think there's always been this tension in the Atlanta area around who gets further ahead and who gets left behind. I believe that there's some underlying um, grappling with who gets to have a say in how we move forward. And a lot of that is rooted in, well, who gets to own the memories or the history to say, well, what should we look like going forward and what remains of what we used to be that we should take with us as we move forward? Right. And how do you memorialize like Plunkett Town, uh, Buttermilk Bottom, Blair Village, you know, some of the places for an, in your book that were just wiped out, Hannah? How much history do we need to know in order to be in a place? I know where I live in East Point, we recently changed the highway signs from Fort McPherson to Tyler Perry Studios. Huh. And there was a moment of shock and then pride and excitement about what it's going to be like to, you know, drive down the road every day with Tyler Perry's name over my head. So we see between street names changing and, uh, you know, new generations deciding what's worth memorializing. I find it a very exciting change. And I think um, I've become kind of suspect or suspicious of too much nostalgia around a history that was written to memorialize and celebrate the Civil War. So young people who are coming up and um, advocating for new memorials for lost places, I think we need to listen to them, and I'm excited to hear how they rebrand and rename the, the city around us. How about for you, Antonio, as somebody who's relatively new to the place, like how are you finding out about what was? Is it important for you to know the history? I think it's really important for me to know the history because I like to be a part of the forward progression that the city makes. So knowing um, what things were um, and how they got to be what they are now is really important um, to understand, but to also inform some of the work that I do as a photographer. But to, to Floyd's point, there's a the history always contains like who was left in and who was left behind. Mm -hmm. So how do you get your history? Like what version do you listen to or look for? I, I look for all of the all of it, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Like yesterday I had a crash course in the whole public school fiasco. Having that crash course was interesting to me because education is something that I feel like everyone needs to have access to. And I don't think the South has always been really open to educating everyone. And that ordeal kind of shed light into what, you know, what the issues were and how we can move forward with that. Well, this is something that's the rela relationship with history has come up into sharp focus. And, you know, how do we memorialize? How do we sort of keep the past alive? But as you were saying, Floyd, 
make room for for what's coming and and not be afraid of it. I think we have to be willing to do the work, both the work of listening and and diving deep or diving back to make sure that we are both acknowledging the the rose petals and the thorns of what that was um, in terms of uh, history. But also, I think that and I think about this in my own family, my mom and dad weren't from here. So I'm a first generation Atlantan in my own house or in my in my own family. Right. And so not everyone gets to just be from a place and say, oh, I'm from Atlanta, as beautiful as it is to be a native Atlantan. I think we have to do the work to extend and open ourselves up to their stories and their perspectives, but also grapple with how that fits into an expanding narrative. Like it can't just be one or the other. We have to sort of have and create space to do both and expand that because if you don't do that, I think you sort of end up with these really uh, difficult tension points that don't allow us to move forward. And you end up on social media sort of fighting some of these battles that really don't end up anywhere. Yeah, I hear a lot of that either or thinking like, I'm, I don't go to that shop because they tore down that restaurant where I used to go. You know, I, I liked it better when Rhea's Bluebird, you could just walk in without having to wait, you know, kind of thing. Like, that's what I have heard the idea that, oh, if they're building these new apartments, it's just going to make more traffic for me. You know, and I understand that. I absolutely understand that. I mean, it's one of those things where it can never always be the old way that it was. Like, that's just not possible. And I think the longer we hold on to that, I think that we are limiting um, our imagination for what the future could look like. And we need to look at change both to the physical city and to the culture of the city as an opportunity to change, let go of some bad practices, some bad development kind of scenarios that we've had for a long time, sprawl, um, ignoring our natural resources and rivers and creeks, but also, you know, the, the built legacy of Jim Crow. We have the chance as we're rebuilding to repair a lot of damage that we did um, when Atlanta first exploded in, in the post-war era. The same goes for inviting new people in. Like, you know, we're always going to be a growing city. That's the wonderful thing about Atlanta. So how do we make space for new voices and new cultures to, to question the scripts that we've been running about who we are? I find that exciting. It is exciting. And you are also, Hannah, you know, someone who's looked at Atlanta from an urban design perspective, especially after your experience living in uh, an area that was basically bulldozed for uh, the expansion of the city. And of course, we're living in a place where, you know, interstates, the, the urban renewal, classic urban renewal moves, interstates like basically used to destroy black neighborhoods. So how do you design for a city to include? Um, I, if I had the answer, I would be a global expert. Um, certainly, the, you have to start with the community, listening to them and what success would look like for them and what they need instead of the top-down approach. So we, we looked at this map from 15,000 feet and decided to put the road here. Um, it's about listening to users. There's also a, a question of scale. Um, do we really want 18 lanes of freeway going through the heart of the city? Is that going to create the city that we want? Can we scale back some of these things like roads and provide different options for transportation for people who don't want to drive alone everywhere they go? The process is different, too, because I think there's more women and people of color involved in planning and design um, at the very top levels, not to mention elected officials. But I, I hope that Planners of the future are more inclusive just by listening and engaging the community and recognizing the lives that are affected by decisions made from on high. If you were describing Atlanta to somebody and think without this, it would not be Atlanta. Do you have something in mind? Black people? 
for me, it's the combination of nature and the city. I'm going to have to echo Floyd. Black people, it's so, I love going to Centennial Park on Sundays and seeing all these little black kids playing the fountains. And they are just having so much fun, so much joy. And I feel like that sums up my Atlanta experience. Antonio Johnson, thank you so much. Thank you. Antonio Johnson is one of the contributors to Pop-Up Zine Atlanta at Windmill Arts Center in East Point on Tuesday, October 8th at 7. And Hannah Palmer, thank you. My pleasure. Hannah Palmer, author of the memoir Flight Path and also a contributor to Pop-Up Zine Atlanta. Floyd Hall, thank you very much. Thank you. Floyd Hall, a writer, documentarian, and cultural producer of the Bottom of the Map podcast, among other things. He is the driving force behind Pop-Up Zine Atlanta. I will also be one of the contributors. My article will be an interview with a very special guest. There's more information on the event at gpbnews.org. And we're leaving you with the song AT Aliens by Outkast. But after the break, we're going to hear from a band that says L.A. all over it. But they're on their way to Atlanta. John Doe and Exine Cervenka from X. When Non Second Thought continues, I'm Virginia Prescott.